Let's pray together. Lord, it is indeed true that we can follow the shepherd home. It's true that you left your home to show us the way home. And we are so grateful. Lord, as we finish out this Christmas season today, we pray that we would recall that Jesus is indeed the very heart of Christmas, that Jesus is indeed the very heart of our lives. And I pray that we'll take that with us, that truth, in a mighty way into the new year. We ask this in Christ's holy name. Amen. I'm going to read Matthew 1, uh, verses 18 to 25, and then, of course, I'll uh, share some additional verses uh, as we go along. This is, of course, uh, Matthew's version of the birth story of Jesus. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took his wife. And he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Thanks be to God. Amen. Well, Christmas Day has come and gone. In fact, many of you, if you haven't already, you're starting to, you'll start to take down your tree and your decorations tomorrow. I like leaving hours up until January 6th uh, because the 12 days of Christmas end on January 6th with Epiphany, which is the traditional time when we celebrate the coming of the Magi. But sometimes we've, we've had to go ahead and, and take down decorations because January 1 happened to be a day off and we had the time to do it, but I like leaving them up. I haven't been wearing ties lately, but I decided to wear a tie just because it was a little bit Christmassy to hang on one more time. By the way, teachers and students, it, it, uh, it has a snowman on it, so maybe by wearing this, you won't have to go back to school this week. I, I don't know. There'll be snow on the mountain or something. But I'd like to linger a little longer. Here in worship today, I, I would like to focus one more day on the heart of Christmas in the series I've been preaching through. And I want to just remind you again where we've been. I know you've heard this a number of times, but it helps to hear it again. On December 3rd, we began with hope that is at the heart of Christmas. 
Remember, we talked about Emmanuel as God with us, giving us hope in the present. We hope for his return when he will restore all things. On December 10th, we considered the wonderful gift of peace, the peace with God, peace of God, that we could have peace with ourselves, that we could have peace with others. December 16th, the youth and children gave us a beautiful nativity play, reminding us of the wonder of Jesus' birth. On December 17th, we were reminded of the joy that is ours in God coming to us, uh, that God entered our messiness to save us, that God continues to be with us in our difficulties, and we can have joy that he's loving us through all this messiness we sometimes experience. We can also have joy because God's not finished. He's not finished with us. God loves us too much to leave us the way we are, so he's working on us. He's sanctifying us. On December 24th, we considered the great love of God, his love which is right on time, his great love which adopted us into the family of God, and love which we are called to give to others. Then, of course, on the evening of December 24th, we held a traditional candlelight Christmas Eve service, which I always find very moving and and just wonderful to participate in. It's been a busy season. And I imagine some of you are ready to move on. But I'd like to linger a moment longer and consider the obvious that Jesus is the heart of Christmas. When I think of Christmas, Christmas, I think of Jesus uh, and home, and I see a connection, and I hope you will see that connection as we go along this morning. As a child, Christmas Eve, Christmas for me revolved around three homes. Christmas Eve was spent in, at Grandma and Grandpa Redmond's. We all crowded into their tiny living room, and Grandpa with his a wood stove kept it at what felt like at least 100 degrees in that room. And uh, you add 13 to 16 people, depending on who was home, and we were miserably hot. But we kids didn't care because a month or so earlier, we had drawn names that the cousins had, and we were going to get a gift from our cousins. And Grandma always gave us a wallet or a pocketbook, and Grandpa always put $5 in it every year. Then we would have dinner in Grandma and Grandpa's equally tiny kitchen and dining room, which it always included a cake that Grandma made only once a year, a pineapple upside-down cake. Christmas morning began at home with Mom and Dad, of course, and it, it always began with my dad shouting, Ho, 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 which meant we could finally get out of bed and go look and see what was under the tree. We would, of course, open presents, laugh, jump up and down. Some years we went out in the cold because we got bicycles or motorcycles or new shotguns. We would eat a quick quick breakfast, which mostly consisted of sausage balls and cookies. And then we were off to Grandma Morrow's. I don't remember much about my my Grandpa Morrow at Christmas time because he died when I was so young. But Grandma Morrow's was a a special place. It was a smaller gathering because Mom only had the one brother, but he was a favorite. 
And he and his wife always gave the best presents, many of which I can remember to this day. Like one year we got a football helmet. One year we, we got a, a, a helicopter that actually flew. And then one year we got BB guns. And though Grandma never had much income, somehow she managed to get us a little something uh, every year. To this day, I don't know how she afforded it. I can only imagine she put aside some of her needs in order to get something we might want. The only bad part about Grandma Mars was, though, doggone it, the parents insisted that we had to eat lunch before we could open presents. But even that wasn't so bad because despite Grandma's lack of income, she could put on quite a spread. Fried chicken, deviled eggs, real mashed potatoes, gravy, and all kinds of desserts. Always my favorite, her red velvet cake. And her homemade cookies and a cake again that she only made once a year, a popcorn and candy cake and a homemade fruit cake. Now, I know everyone's Christmas was not as pleasant as what I described. And quite frankly, ours wasn't always Hallmark material either. Some years, my brother and I got into knockdown, drag-out fights, either with, with each other or with our cousins. There were tensions at times between the adults that even a child could sense. There were elephants in the room some years, like a divorce, or someone had lost a job. So we were all tiptoed around those subjects and Mom and dad would give us the look, which meant keep your mouth shut on that one. Don't say anything. But still, home is such a big part of Christmas. And when I think about that, I shared all that to, to say this. When I think about home at Christmas, I'm reminded that Jesus left his home to be with us. He came to be with us. That's what Christmas is all about, the incarnation, Jesus leaving his place in heaven to come be with us. And there's that wonderful joy in, that though we may struggle to belong here, though our families may be broken, though we may even feel alone, Jesus is with us. We are children of God. We have a family. In fact, as believers, we really should feel like we don't quite belong here. This world is not our home. We were made for something more. And the arrival of Jesus along with his subsequent life, death, and resurrection reminds us and provides that something more. The book of Matthew, perhaps more than any other gospel, is intent on revealing Jesus as the long-awaited Messiah. Jesus is the long-awaited fulfillment of God's heart and desire for creation. And so even in the few verses I read this morning, we begin to see the heart of God for us to have something more. The heart of Christmas, the heart of the gospel is for all of us, but I think it's especially for those for whom home is not always perfect. For Christmas and the gospel gives us hope that there is something more. And we can be something more. And we begin to get a sense of that from some of the names Jesus receives in Matthew 1. The first name tells us that Jesus means 
that he came to save us from our sins. Verse 21, she'll bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. The world around us makes Christmas out to be many things, but the church has always sought to celebrate the arrival of Jesus, the one who saved us from our biggest problem, our sins. And sin at its most basic definition means to miss the mark. What mark? Well, the mark is the righteousness of God. That's the standard. That's why the Bible can say that all have sinned. And no one is righteous, not even one. You know, the first time I really heard that, I couldn't help but think, but but what about my beloved Grandma Mara? No offense to present company, but in my mind at least, she was the kindest, gentlest person I have ever known especially compared with many others. And therein lies the problem. You you see, the comparison is not to others. The comparison is to God who is completely holy and righteous. And no one compares to him, not even my beloved grandmother. But glory be to God, he sent Jesus to rescue us. He sent Jesus to save us. Sin has marred our lives. It's messed up our current home. But trusting in Jesus, you and I can be rescued from our sins. We have the promise of a new home, no longer tainted by sin. And you and I won't be stained by it either. Think about that. All the lifelong battles will be gone. The anger, gone. The compulsions, gone. The nasty roots of bitterness and resentment, gone. Whatever tempts you will be gone. The guilt and shame, gone. You will no longer be broken and stained. You will be the true, perfect, unblemished version of you in our new home that awaits us. John Eldridge speculates that when we first see each other in our new eternal home, one of the most common statements that we're going to hear is going to be, well, look at you. Aren't you glorious? Aren't you glorious? Praise God, Jesus came to take away our sins. Further, the arrival of Jesus, as we've seen throughout this series, reminds us that God is present with us. Verse 23, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Jesus means God saves, and Emmanuel means God is with us. And some of us have been hearing the name Emmanuel for years, but the time of Jesus' birth, the thought of God being with people uh, was a revolutionary thought for many folks. The culture surrounding Bethlehem saw their gods as angry deities who only punished and corrected their subjects from afar. 
But God so loved His broken creation that He came near. Jesus Emmanuel became one of us with flesh and blood to mourn with we mourn, to weep when we weep. He is with us by His Spirit and He understands all that we endure. He understands all the frustration, all the anxiety, the depression, the grief, the heartbreak, even the ways that we are upset and angry about things that just aren't right and seem so unfair. Jesus understands. He identifies with us in every way except he is without sin. You see, Jesus knows that this home isn't perfect. He's experienced it firsthand, and he's with us now in this messiness we must live through. It's a good life, but it, it has its heartache and heartbreaks, does it not? And Jesus is with us. And because Jesus lived a perfect life without sin, his arrival and his subsequent death and resurrection are our way home. He's shown us the way home. You see, Jesus left his home to show us the way home. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus came to show us that he's the way home. He's the way to eternal life. He's the way to freedom from bondage to sin and death. Hebrews 2, since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Now what is this text really saying? Jesus partook of childhood. He shared in our flesh and blood. He came as a vulnerable, helpless child. But he did not remain a child. And because Jesus lived a perfect life without sin... He, through his death, destroyed the power of death, and that is the devil. You see, the devil's power over us is keeping you and I in death, keeping us in sin, keeping us in fear of death by trying to convince us that death has the final word. Well, Satan and death are our enemy, but they do not have the victory. 1 Corinthians 15, 54 when the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. John Piper writes, Jesus became man because what was needed was the death of a man who was more than a man. The incarnation was God's locking himself into death row. Christ chose death. He embraced it. No wonder Satan tried to keep him from the cross. 
He tried to keep him in the wilderness temptations. He tried to keep him in the mouth of Peter who said, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. And Jesus said to Peter when he tried to stop him, Get behind me, Satan. You see, Satan tried to keep Jesus from the cross because the cross was Satan's destruction and our victory. By his death, Jesus wiped away all our sins. And a person who has had their sins wiped away cannot be condemned. Again, Piper writes, Satan's plan was to destroy God's rule by condemning God's followers in God's own courtroom. But now in Christ, there is no condemnation. Satan's treason is aborted. His cosmic treachery is foiled. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. The cross has run Satan through, and he will one day gasp his last. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus took our nature in Bethlehem to die our death in Jerusalem and to be raised on the third day. Jesus indeed left his home, beloved, to show us the way home. At the heart of Christmas is Jesus and the hope and the peace and the joy and the love he brings. At the heart of Christmas is the invitation to believe that he saves us from our sins. He's with us and he is the way home. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Do you know the Greek word for believe is pistuo, and it means to be persuaded. It means to have a confidence in someone. Belief in Jesus is a complete trust. It's to be persuaded and confident in the promises of Jesus that our lives can be transformed that our lives can be so transformed that our words and actions and thoughts can be dictated by our trust in Jesus. At the heart of Christmas is this invitation to join Him and experience the full and eternal life that's available through Him. If you've never accepted that invitation, I truly pray that today you would. And that you would experience hope and peace and joy and love like never before. A love and a peace and a hope and a joy that the world can't offer you and the world cannot take away from you. If you've already accepted that invitation, at the heart of Christmas is another invitation. And that is the invitation to go out and tell others that Jesus is the way home. I urge you believers to, to keep believing that Jesus is the source of hope and peace and joy and love. I urge you to keep trusting Him with your life and unapologetically keep believing in Him. Keep believing that what began in an unassuming cradle led to a Roman cross and to victory the victory of the empty tomb. Keep believing and accept the great invitation to go out and tell others that Jesus is 
He is the very heart of Christmas. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you for coming to save us from our sins. Thank you for coming to be with us. Thank you for coming to be one of us. Lord, we thank you that you're with us now in the person of the Holy Spirit. We praise you that you've come to show us the way home. And Lord, if there's one listening today who's never trusted in you, who hasn't fully surrendered their lives to you, I pray that today would be that day. I pray that in these moments they would trust that you, Jesus, are the way and the truth and the life. I pray that in these moments that those who do not know you would be willing to repent of sin and that you would wash them clean by the grace and the blood of your cross. Lord, for those of us who already trust you, I pray we would keep believing. I pray we would stand strong in faith. I pray we would go and tell all those we meet that you, Jesus, are the very heart of Christmas and you are the one we need each and every day. Send us out to tell that good news on the mountains and over the hills and everywhere. To you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, be glory today and forevermore. Amen. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace today and forevermore.